in my father's house. There are many dwelling places, Jesus tells his disciples in today's passage from John. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? I find this image of the great condominium of God in today's gospel to be just exquisite. Jesus is trying to lay out for his anxious disciples what lies on the other side of his imminent death. What will become of us when all is said and done, they're wondering. Perhaps we find ourselves asking the same question in these perilous times. And Jesus' reply is, wherever I am, that's where you will be. And in Jesus' imagination, that is a house with many dwellings in it, many rooms, some translations say many mansions. It's the house of his Abba. It's the house of God. In my imagination, I see a spacious dwelling that is diverse and accommodating with individual dwellings that we will recognize as our own immediately because they're fashioned by someone who knows us intimately. That's probably my gloss, but it's also my understanding of what God is like. Abundant, creative, a great decorator. Sounds like heaven, which is why this passage is often used at funerals. That's that pre-Easter promise of Jesus tends to get tossed way into the future. Jesus is to go ahead of us and make a place for us that we'll get to eventually. But I find this image particularly moving and relevant right now. Because in this COVID moment, we're not gathering in the great houses of God that we've always associated with God's dwellings on earth. No churches, no cathedrals, no synagogues, no mosques, no temples. We're gathering in our own homes and we're connecting them all up via Zoom or video editing. In St. Martin's pre-recorded liturgies like this one, we clergy are filmed in an empty church and then in comes the readings from someone's living room and songs from an apartment, prayers of the people from a kitchen or a bedroom, a sermon from a home office like this one. In my father's house, there are many dwellings indeed. And the fact that you are both there and here, it just brings tears to my eyes every time I see you or think of you, even if it is a recording or a Zoom meeting or a phone call. I wanna suggest that this image of the dwelling places of God may be closer to what the evangelist and the epistle writer had in mind when explaining to the early church where Jesus had gone. What if the divine dwelling place that Jesus was preparing for his disciples wasn't a future heavenly mansion? What if the dwelling place that Jesus was preparing for his disciples had been inside them all along. The author of 1 Peter puts it this way, like living stones, 
Let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Living stone, spiritual houses, body of Christ. And what if that is true for us also? What if the many dwellings of Jesus right now weren't simply in our many living rooms and kitchens, but in us, ourselves, the many? In both 1 Peter and in John's Gospel, all that is required to become the dwelling place of God is belief in Jesus. Now right here, I want to say that there's a big difference between belief that and belief in. To believe that something is the case is an intellectual exercise. It might employ facts or not, but it is a conviction of the mind. To believe in something, or better, to believe in someone, I think, is, is a matter of intimacy. If I truly believe in someone, that usually comes from shared life, deep trust, a sense of someone and who they truly are and, and what they're really capable of. When someone says they believe in me, I feel more than acknowledged. I feel known, sometimes even better than I know myself. This is the kind of belief that Jesus had been shaping in his disciples from the beginning. And it's a relationship that even at this crucial moment, as Jesus was facing his arrest and death, his disciples were still struggling with. How is it that you still don't know me after all we've been through? It seems like Jesus is saying. And more importantly, if you don't know me, how will you recognize the Father who dwells within me? Because that's who I've been trying to show you all along. Our scriptures today throw down a challenge to us. Can you believe in yourself as one of the many places where Jesus dwells? What I'm describing is heaven, not future heaven, right now heaven, Easter heaven. Dorothy Day, that complex and single-minded founder of the Catholic worker movement, she believed it. She liked to quote the 14th century mystic Catherine of Siena as saying, all the way to heaven is heaven because Jesus said, I am the way. Now, Catherine of Siena never really said that, first because she spoke Italian, but it's not a bad paraphrase of what she did describe in the revelations that she received from God, which was that Jesus was a bridge between humanity and God, a bridge made of living stone, a bridge that just by walking on it brought one into intimate relationship with the Christ and the one who sent him. Catherine of Siena, who believed God spoke directly to her in the throes of ecstasy, would understand such a path to God to be just one thing, 
heaven itself. As did Dorothy Day, an anarchist who lived in squalid squat houses with impoverished people, people who sometimes did and sometimes did not agree with the Catholic worker's stand on poverty and peace and faith. But Dorothy believed that just by sharing life with them, by talking, by writing, by advocating, and by making a home with God's most vulnerable people, that God's will would be done. Jesus puts it this way in the gospel today. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these. That means this passage isn't just about where Jesus makes a home, but where Jesus lives his life. To believe that this, to believe that that place is actually us requires us to have immense faith in ourselves. Not the arrogant or the narcissistic kind of which we've become all too acquainted of late, but the humbled kind that relies on Jesus to believe in us. The kind of faith and self-love that realizes we don't earn God's love by what we do, but we were loved by God long before we could do anything about it. Now, as my friend Taylor Anderson likes to say, God is polite. God does not move in where God is not welcome. And so Jesus has prepared his dwelling in us, but it's up to us to let him live there. I am the way, Jesus insists, and in saying that we are warned away is not a static place. A way is a dynamic thing. A life with Jesus is a life on the move as Jesus's followers knew all too well. If we are God's dwelling place, then we are mobile homes, which might seem strange at a time when we're all feeling a bit stuck inside, less mobile than ever. And yet, we know that we're not confined, really. We know the avenues that our love takes from our hearts to those of others, by phone, by internet, by letter, by conversation at a respectful distance through a mask, by fond remembrance, by fervent prayer. And if our love cannot be contained at this moment, then what of the love of God? What avenues has God already traveled to us and through us because we have allowed Jesus to make a home in us? And where might the love of God still aim to go? Amen.